Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the D-Shift Podcast, and thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen in. You're going to be happy that you did, because I have a wonderful guest on my podcast that I've met several times. I've actually worked with her. Her name is Kelly Falardo, and uh, we just discovered we're both Albertans, and I had not realized that. I'd worked with Kelly for a while, and I, I hadn't realized that, but she is really accomplished, so I'm going to read this to make sure I don't mess it up. Um, at the age of two, Kelly was burned over 75% of her body. And the most amazing thing, as a burn survivor, she has this incredible list of accomplishments and things that she has done. She is a two times TEDx speaker. She's a fierce woman of the year, which I think is a cool thing to be. Uh, she's a recipient of the Queen Elizabeth Diamond Jubilee Medal, which is a wonderful accomplishment, YMCA Woman of Distinction, and a seven times international bestseller. Kelly, I don't think I've ever been able to give such an amazing introduction to anybody before. You've had such a, such a wealth of accomplishments. So welcome to the podcast and thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me here. I'm always honored when people ask me to be on their podcast. So thank you. Well, you have such, I mean, first of all, you do an amazing thing. Um, and that's what we're, we're kind of going to talk all about that. But you also have a fascinating story. Would you be able to share a little bit of your story and kind of what, what brought you into the world that you're working in now? Sure. Absolutely. Love it. So, um, yeah. Basically, yeah, I got burnt as a two-year-old. I never ever thought that I would get married or have kids because, you know, I was the ugly Scarface girl. So, you know, who wants to marry or even date, you know, the, the ugly Scarface girl? So I never ever thought I'd get married or have kids. Uh, but I did end up meeting a man when I was 19. And um, we ended up moving in together. And then finally, after 10 years of living together, we, we, we got married. Um, but we didn't want kids. And that was interesting because I believe, because I was a burn survivor, I just didn't believe that anybody who was burnt had kids. So I never grew to want kids. But our best friends had kids. And then I ended up saying, yeah, I'm, I'm changing my mind. I don't want just dogs anymore. I want, I want a kid. And so we ended up um, having a daughter. And then I lost my second baby at 28 weeks. And she was a little baby girl. And then I actually had a set of twin boys. And so then shortly after that, well, I shouldn't say shortly, probably about five or six years after my twins were boy born, I was realizing that I wasn't in love with my husband. And I, I had cheated on him. He had, I also found out later, too, he had cheated on me. And I just wasn't in love with him anymore. And, you know, there was some other stuff that was going on, too. And our marriage was just really toxic. And I remember going to work one day. And my boss said to me, he said, you know what? I can't wait to go home to my husband. And I was like, what? What is that about? Like, because I hated going home to my husband. Yeah. I mean, I loved seeing my kids, but I hated going home to my husband. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, that is just unusual. And I remember, you know, driving home. And calling my best friend in Calgary was three hours away. And I'm in the Canadian Tire parking lot crying my eyes out. 
and she's like, for two hours we talk, and she goes, Cal, I think the reason you're a sabotager in your marriage is because you're done. You're done with it. Sure. And you don't know what else to do, and you don't see any way out, and you've got kids, and we're taught as moms that we don't leave our kids. And so my ex said to me, you can only leave if you give me the house and the kids. Wow. And I was like, oh, huh. I, yeah. Um, and I said, yes. Okay. I didn't want the house because I knew I couldn't afford it. Uh, the kids, of course, I didn't want to not have my kids. But what we did is I still saw them every day because I lived with my aunt and uncle and I went to work. Well, he went to work and then I went to, you know, get them off to school and everything. Um, but then what happened was five months later, my boss gave me an ultimatum because I actually had, before I left my husband, I actually had a speaking business and I had um, a job because he got laid off and he said, okay, Kelly, it's time for you to step up to the plate. And I was like, okay, fine. Watch me. So I did. I stepped to the plate and I got a job. And then I also had a scrapbooking business at the time. And <laughs> plus I wanted to be a speaker and I was writing a book. So, you know, I'm one of these people that has to do everything. <laughs> so, so then, you know, I did end up leaving the marriage. I sold the scrapbooking business, gave him half of the money. And I went into work one day and this was five months after I left him. And my boss says, Kelly, you have to make a decision. Are you going to be excited to come to work on Monday or relieved if you don't have to? And I was like, oh, and that question hit me right to my core. Like I just hit my chest and I was like, oh my gosh, like, are you kidding me? I just left my marriage five months ago. I'm living in my aunt and uncle's basement. Are you kidding me? And I was like 44 at the time, I think it was. And I was like, and I knew what the answer was. Right. I knew that I would be relieved if I didn't have to. But I was like, how am I going to be able to afford this? And fortunately, you know, I, I didn't have to pay much for rent with my aunt and uncle. But um, I remember going home that day and saying to myself, okay, what are you going to do? And I read this Christian magazine, a businesswoman's magazine, and every second page said, follow your passion full time. Follow your passion full time. And I was like, okay. And then I saw in the middle and I opened up into the middle and had big black letters that says, why do you not trust that God will provide you everything you need? And I slammed that magazine shut. I was so mad. And then I heard that voice again. Are you going to be excited to come to work on Monday or relieved if you don't have to? And I went into work the next day and I sent my boss an email and I said, you are right. Today's my last day. And of course, I was panicking. Yeah, I was going to say. Got, <laughs> yeah, my marriage, my kids, my job, all gone, right? Um, but I knew that, you know how it is, uh, Marty? Have you ever seen a baby bird in a nest? Mm -hmm. The mother pushes the baby bird out, and, you know, the baby bird learns to fly. The baby bird, you know, it'll go down but it never hits the ground and it flies back up and it goes higher than ever. And I thought that that's what my boss was doing to me. She was that mother bird pushing the baby bird out of the nest and saying, go fly. And so that's what I did. 
and I became a speaker full time. I was uh, on to my second book and I made a best selling author. I got, you know, the awards from the, the queen. I got uh, the woman of distinction award. I got the fearless woman award. All these awards happened because I thought there's only one person who gets to control my destiny and that's me. What a powerful message. And that's a message a lot of women think they hear at some point in time, but maybe don't act on it. So that took a lot of courage, Kelly. It did. You know, a lot of times you hear that little whisper in your heart, but you don't act on it. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I really learned in that time period was that we need to listen to that whisper of our heart. That's our soul speaking to us. And a lot of times we just ignore it and we say, nah, I'm not going to do that. But when we do it, these magical things happen. And I love your story. I love the whole idea of, you know, it's not like all of a sudden you were walking along and this wonderful thing happened and then another wonderful thing. So your growth really happened because you had to experience all of these other issues. Like, do you think, do you think if, let's, let's play a game. Do you think if your relationship had somehow come around and worked out between you and your husband and you had never gone through the divorce and through the loss of the job and through, do you think you would still be where you are today or what do you Not think? at all. Not even a little bit. Um, and I still remember about a couple of years later, I ended up having a massive crash. Um, and I remember my coach then, she said to me, Kel, I don't think that you would work as hard as you do if you had a man in your life. And it's because, you know, you're focused on the relationship too. And so I really believe that this was the universe's way of giving me, you know, 10 years, a good 10 solid years to just focus on me and building my business, um, building my content, getting my message out, like my life story is a documentary and doing the TEDx talk and, you know, COVID hit. I lost all my speaking gigs. So I pivoted into coaching people to write books and become best-selling authors. And all of that happened was because I, I I had to. Yeah. I just didn't see any other option. I was right. a single mom, had three kids to support. Yeah. And, you know, towards the end there, the kids were living with me full time, all three of them. Right. And so I had to support my kids. And so there was many, many, many times when I thought I was a bad mom. And I, I coined the, the term bad mom syndrome. Um, because so many times I was traveling and I was having to do all these things. And, you know, I, people would say to me, well, Kelly, you have to put your kids first. And I'm like, no, I don't. I have to put my income first. You know, if someone's going to pay me 3500 to go speak at a, you know, an event, I'm taking the money because that $3,500 pays my bills for the month. Right. You know, and keeps, uh, keeps the kids, you know, and, alive. <laughs> you know, can I just jump in? This is one of my pet peeves, Kelly. And I'm glad you actually use those terms that people said, well, you know, as a mom, you need to be doing this. We don't say that to dads. We don't say to dads, hey, you shouldn't go to that corporate retreat or, hey, you shouldn't go, you know, travel with your job or you shouldn't be a whatever traveling on over the road, you know, truck or whatever. It's just yeah. Go, go ahead, leave. You know, the wife will take care. And even single dads don't get that same kind of, you should be staying at home with your kids and not, not earning an income. So thank you for saying that. I think as women yeah. hear those messages and we need to start standing up and saying to our friends, you know, just shut the hell up. That is not, <laughs> <laughs> that, mom. 
that makes me a mom that's doing the responsible thing by being able to earn an income for my family. So yay, congratulations. Yeah. That. I yeah. just had yeah. so much guilt around having to put making an income first instead of my kids. Yeah. Because as moms, we're taught we have to put our kids first. Yeah. Be above everybody. Yeah. And so it was it was so challenging for me. And I still deal with the guilt sometimes, you know, because Sometimes I still feel like I wasn't a good enough mom. And, but every time I thought about, okay, go get a job. And, you know, people would say, well, go get a job. And I'm like, doing what? Like, I'm unemployable, right? Like, I have to be an entrepreneur. And besides, there were times when I was making way more money as an entrepreneur than I would have if I would have had a, a nine to five job. Yeah. So, you know, and you're right. We don't put men down for working late or being out of town. But if it's a woman that's out of town, and it's the mom, all of a sudden, it's a bad thing. Yeah. So, so through all this, you you had already written one book and were or two books, I'm hearing, what got yeah. you to take the next step to do what you do now. And this is how I met Kelly, because I was an author in one of the books that she um, did the compilation and the publishing and, and yeah. Oh, everything for. So how did you go from kind of the writer to, to being the publisher? Well, what was happening is so many people were calling me or emailing me and say, Hey, Cal, my friend wants to learn to write a book. Can you teach her? And eventually I was just getting really pissed off about it because I was like, <laughs> do you know what it took me to become a best-selling author? And, and you think it's worth a $3 cup of coffee? I mean, are you kidding me? Like, I was getting so annoyed and so pissed off with myself. And I didn't want to be a coach. That was another thing about me is I, I don't see my, well, at that time, I didn't see myself as a coach. And I didn't know how to teach people how to write a book. But so many people were asking me. And so finally, I just connected with one of my friends. And I said, look, why don't we do this together? You can teach the meditation part and helping people brainstorm about their book. I'll teach them the actual seven steps that it takes to write a book. And so that was how we started. And I think we did that like eight years ago. Um, and then when COVID hit, well, that's when I lost all my in-person speaking gigs. So there, I figured, what, am I, what else am I going to do? I laid on the couch for a week and I thought, well, I got three kids to support because they're all living with me at that time. I've got to find a way to make money. And so that's when all I did is I just started doing a pay what you can workshop. So basically you had to just pay me what you could afford. And I put on like a one day workshop and then I just kind of built it up from there. And then people were saying, okay, you got to do the high ticket offer, right? Where you coach someone for a year, you charge them $10,000 and then away you go. And so then I learned how to do that. And again, that's kind of challenging for me because I don't like pitching and I don't like selling in that way, right? Um, but that's, that's what got me over the six-figure line was, you know, charging 10K to coach people to become best-selling authors. Um, but yeah, that's all it was. It was just building little by little by little, step by step. So why do you think, and I know you are a huge proponent of people getting out and telling their story and in doing it, Yes, speaking is great, but one of the best ways to do that, because a book really does lend um, authority and credibility if you're a professional, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're selling something, you know, if you can come out and say, I've written a book, there, 
even though the book may never appear in print, it may just be a Kindle edition or it may be an ebook or something, there's still there's still a recognition of the power of being an author. So how do people and I know you've got a program you take people through. So how what what are some of the things that you think that people need to be able to be focused on if they want to write a book? Like what's let's just even look at what's the first thing people need to do if they want to write a book. Well, one of the first things that I always ask them is what is your intentions with your book? So are you a coach or are you a speaker or an entrepreneur and you want to develop some expert, you know, abilities, right? Like you want to look like the expert, then you need a book, right? So like Marty, I mean, you teach people about divorce, like it would be great to have a book about the steps on how to work through a divorce peacefully, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what happens is when you have a book, people put you on a whole different pedestal. The media puts you on a pedestal. The podcasters, event planners, everybody thinks, oh my gosh, you must be the expert because you wrote the book on it. Right. So I always find out, like, what are your intentions? Like, I had a client come to me and she wanted to write a children's book, plus she wanted to write a, a self-help book. And so I said, okay, well, what, what's your intentions? Um, are you going to be a speaker? She goes, yeah, I also signed up for a, a speaking coaching program. So I'm going to be a speaker too. And I said, okay, well, figure out what your speech is going to be. And let's write the book to go with that speech. So that way, when you get asked to speak for free, you've got a product to sell. Not only that, you can't always say your whole story in 20 minutes. So this way, then people can get a little another, like take more of you home with them by buying the book. And then the third reason is it just gives you more credibility. Um, it makes you look like the expert. Um, yeah. And so I always suggest if you're in business of any kind, whether it's a speaker or whatever it is, have a book because yeah. it's really going to get you that credibility and it will give you more opportunities and higher fees. So do you work with, um, with people who are writing like business books or nonfiction, or do you work with people who want to write fiction books? I heard you talk about a children's story. So I'm not, I'm guessing the answer is both. Is that right? Yeah. So for the, the most part, like 99% of my clients are nonfiction authors and basically they want a book to support their business or they want a compilation book or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I've done some children's book. I just uh, actually, I just did one about my grandson and it's, uh, I used all AI to do it. And oh, it, cool. Yeah, he's a koala who loves blueberries. And so... <laughs> Yeah, and I, I've never done a children's book before. So, you know, I, I wrote the little story and had AI help me come up with the story and the images and then put it all together. But my passion is business books also because I love that people can make money with them. Yeah. You know, like the compilation book is so awesome to have a book and get 20 people to each pay you like, you know, a thousand bucks. And then you've got $20,000 in your pocket. So can, can you talk a little bit because I'm familiar because I worked with you on a compilation book with with Kimberly actually Voices yep. of Women I think was the first one. Um tell me could you explain a little bit for people that don't know what is a compilation book and what's the value of a compilation book? Sure. So this is the book you're talking about. It is. There's Kimberly me. Crow. I see me. <laughs> yeah, you're on the cover. Yeah, absolutely. So 
What's really cool about the compilation book is that you get people to either write their story or interview them. So what I we did with this is you were actually on the Voices of the Women Summit. So we took you a 25-minute interview, and I had my our editor rewrite the interview into a story. And then that way it didn't sound like an interview because Kimberly didn't want it to sound like an interview. And then what happens is we, we put all the stories in our manuscript, we get cover design, and then um, we do a bestseller launch with it and make made it into a bestseller. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and the, the nice so it's thing- the easiest way to write a book because you don't have to do all the writing. That's what I was right? going to say. For people that are for people that are hesitant about writing, you don't have to necessarily do the pen to paper or the keyboard to computer screen writing. Yeah. There are options where you can. Um, I've even heard of people that just literally talk into their computer and kind of, you know, talk onto a Zoom thing, make a recording, and then just send it to the to the compilation people, and they turn that into a, a story. So it can be ghost written for you. Some compilation books, you actually do the writing yourself and you submit it. So there's all different yeah. formats. So you, if you want to be an author, you can find something that works for you, right? Absolutely. Um, and in fact, that's what I do suggest to my clients is, you know, go on Otter and just speak it out. Right. And let Otter type it out for you. And there you go. There's your book. Or, you know, you can take, like, let's say you do an hour and a half workshop with someone, take that recording, get somebody to transcribe it, or use some sort of AI software, and it'll transcribe it for you. And then all you have to do is edit it and make it into a story. So there's multiple ways of writing a book without having to do pen and paper. Yeah. And I think that's the old way is writing by hand. Uh, now there's so much new, incredible technology that makes it easier for you. Um, I wrote my last book called uh, 31 Unique Ways to Monetize Your Book. And I did it all with AI. And it was just amazing. I had the whole book written in less than less than an hour. And, and, and so I, I, I want to I throw this out, out there because there's a lot of people who say, well, AI books aren't really authored by people. The reality is because I have I have used AI to write different things, but it, it, AI it, first of all you have to input the information or else you just get random stuff that makes no sense. So you do have to do some work to set it up, <laughs> and then whatever the AI, whatever whether it's Chat GPT, I mean, there's a million different AI things that you can use. Whatever you get back, you still go through it, you still edit it, you change things around, you add your own personal elements. It's just a foundational way to get you started, really, isn't it? Absolutely. I totally agree with you 100%, Marty. Uh, basically, AI is basically a brainstorming tool. It's right. much like, you know, calculator is a tool to help us do math. A chat GPT is a tool to help us write. Right. And how many times have you looked at that screen, Marty, and all of a sudden you draw a blank? Yeah. You know, you've got to write some emails and you're like, oh, my gosh, or you got to do a workbook or and, and you know, it's like, oh, my God, do I really have to do this? And it's like, OK, let's go to chat GPT. And then it's like, this is what I need. And then two seconds later, you've got it. Right. So, yeah, to me, it's yeah. all about making yourself be more efficient. And you know how it is in business. I mean, 
we're doing millions of things and it's just so nice to be able to have something that helps us make our lives easier. And the thing that I think is really interesting about this whole AI thing, all of the big companies have been using AI to write their ad copy, to write all of their promotional material. Uh, I dare say, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't know who does it and who doesn't, but I dare say a lot of, a lot of authors that, that have access to this technology have been using this for years and years and years. It's yeah. just that now it's free. It's open source. Everybody can access it. It's not a new technology by any stretch of the imagination. So. <laughs> I, I know exactly. I totally agree with you. I mean, if you're using Google, you're using AI. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're on yeah. Facebook. You're using AI. Right. What do you think the algorithm is? That's AI. Yeah. Yeah, right? it's just it's oh. just another tool. So, Kelly, yeah. you have shared a ton of information and wisdom and insight and really some strong reasons why, as women, we need to get our voices out there. We need to uh, be able to say what we want to say and, and, and get recognition for our efforts. What What's the one thing that you think is the biggest gem that you talked about today that you really want people to remember when they put down their headphones and go on about their life? You know, I think it all boils down to this one quote that I came up with when I wrote my first book. And the quote is this, and, and I made it up, and I, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> and it's, dreams are meant to be found, not tucked away in dreamland. You know, how many times do we have a thought of something we want to do and we just don't do it because we think that we can't accomplish it or we shouldn't or we're not meant to have our dreams. And I just honestly believe if there's something you want in your life, you have to go for it. And yeah. so don't tuck away those, dream those dreams. Bring them out and act upon them even a little bit. I love that. That is such a powerful quote. You've got to get that on – you've got to get that on uh... – on a meme and make sure your name's on it with a little copyright symbol. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much. If people do want to find out more about being in a compilation book or being an author or taking one of your courses or working with you as a writing coach, what, or a book coach, what, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah. So my website is kellyfilardo.com and I'll give you some other links that you can use and there'll be some free gifts and stuff that I can give you for your, for your audience. I'll, I'll give you that for the show notes. Great. And so that will all be in the show notes. Kelly, thank you so much for your insight. It, it's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed our time today. Oh, thank you, Marty. You're just so such a sweetheart. And I was just so excited when you asked me to be on your show. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. And I want to thank everybody for listening in to The D Shift. And don't forget to tune in again next week. Thanks for listening and supporting The D Shift Podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join The D Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, Head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.